You guys, uh, you guys interested in 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 talking about big machines? Because if you're not, turn it off now. Because that's that's what we're doing. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I am your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week, you heard it incorrect. We're talking about big machines. Now, if there's one thing I'm not interested in at all, it is big machines. I don't care about big machines. I've never been enamored of big machines. Even as a little kid, I was not the kind of kid who gravitated towards trucks. I mean, look at, look at me. Look, Do I look like the kind of person who was obsessed with trucks as a child? Didn't care about trucks. Uh, didn't care about, I mean, yeah, if, if there was an opportunity to see like a fire engine up close, I would, I would take the opportunity, but I was not the kid who like ran outside when the truck was outside. You see those kids, those kids exist. They are many and popular. They are all over the place. You'll be sitting at home or sitting at someone's house and their little two-year-old will be toddling around. And all of a sudden the kid will start going, truck, truck, truck. And the, the parents like, oh, there must be a truck outside. And the kid will run up to the front door and they'll open the door and look outside. And there's like a dump truck or something out front and they'll get very excited. Wasn't me. If only the Berenstains could have written a book. Oh, wait, they did. They wrote the Berenstain Bears, We Love Trucks, which I covered, I think, like two years ago, two and a year and a half ago. The Berenstain Bears, We Love Trucks. Like it was a heart. Like I'm drawing it. By the way, you can listen to all my episodes on YouTube, and if you choose to do that, you'll be watching me move along with them because they're videoed. So it's a video of me uh, doing the episode, and if you were watching me on YouTube, you would have seen me make the heart shape with my fingers. Uh, Berenstain Bears, We Love Trucks was a book that I covered a while back. It was simply a tour of Beartown looking at tr different kinds of trucks along the way. It was just there to appeal to those kids. And as a book, it worked really well. I thought it was great. Where else could you go with this? Where Where is there left? Uh, well, we know two things. The Berenstain Bears books are for children. I'm for I am 47 as I record this. Turning 48 this year. Kudos to me. Congratulations, Phil, on making this long. We know that Berenstain Bears books begins. And we know that kids like trucks. Or the majority of them, not including me, like trucks. Uh, so where do you go? Can you get, oh, and we know three, we know that Mike Berenstain loves drawing equipment. He loves drawing stuff. He loves drawing things that he can look at and recreate in his inimitable style. Uh, relatively inimitable. I mean, they did hire freelancers for a while. His inimitable style, definitely a Mike Berenstain drawing, uh, especially when it comes to large machines. Fortunately, uh, fortunately, we're going to have that covered. That's right. This week's book is the Berenstain Bears, Big Machines, Possessive S on the old Berenstain. So it's not just the Berenstain Bears, here's some big machines. This is the Berenstain Bears, Big Machine. It's their, their big machines. We love to see it. Uh, the Berenstain Bears, Big Machines, there is a picture on the cover of a bulldozer with a bear driving it and the cubs crammed into the side, joining him. And we see some... Big machines. But wait, didn't we cover these is the question. Didn't we cover most of this in the Berenstain Bears? We love trucks. Didn't we Didn't we deal with this? What else is there left to say? Well, this isn't about trucks, my friends. It's about big machines. And what do we mean when we say big machines? Well, I believe, and of course I'm having to like, I'm having to not, not guess so much as, as extrapolate from the plot, the plot of this book. 
that when we refer to big machines in the Berenstain Bears big machines, we're referring to what is commonly known as heavy equipment. Uh, heavy equipment, uh, or heavy machinery, or earth movers, or construction vehicles, or construct. I'm getting all of this from Wikipedia, by the way, refers to heavy duty vehicles specially designed to execute construction tasks. Most frequently, in I'm still reading this, involving earthwork operations. Earthwork operations, of course, being uh, some sort of engineering that uh, that involves the moving of the Earth's surface, specifically quantities of soil or unformed rock. Huh? Making sense now? Uh, or other large construction tasks. Uh, heavy equipment usually comprises five equipment systems. The implement. You with me? The implement. Traction. Structure. Powertrain. And control slash information. I don't know what that means. Uh, but I mean, I guess you can just say, we know our, our biggest... We can infer from historical records that the first century BCE was around when the idea, the concept of like, hey, we're make, we're doing some big public works here. Why don't we build some big machines to make the job easier? Is we have, I guess it's the best documented case we have for when that sort of came about, even though in that's first century BC, ancient Roman. Uh, Vitruvius described a crane in his De Architectura, the, his big 10-volume scroll set of architectural guides. Uh, it, it was like, we build a big crane to build a big thing. However, the, you, you click on, you go to the history of the crane, right? And it actually goes to like the, the, the ancient Near East. Uh, there was a, a, a crane machine called the Shadouf. Uh, which was a levered mechanism, which was used to lift water for irrigation. And that comes from like 3000 BCE uh, in Mesopotamia. So Vitruvius may have been a little off. I couldn't find a whole lot of like historical information. I believe these are things that like, uh, because it because that would have been prehistoric times, we're having to infer the creation of this thing based on later inventions. So there's a lot of like, so I believe that Vitruvius's thing is the first like well-documented, like contemporary account of a machine because ancient Greece also had cranes for lifting heavy loads. Uh, uh, but, but this, but the ancient Roman one was the first that were like, def that's definitely, that was definitely used. We still don't know if it was controlled by cattle or by people, but, I mean, at the time that cow people were cattle, uh, if you were uh, a, a slave. So, uh, yeah. So Vitruvius, uh, this is very, ex I'm sorry if this is so exciting to you, uh, but I'm trying to give you a little background before we jump in with both feet to bear country. Um, so yes, to implement traction, structure, powertrain, control information, uh, with each system playing a critical role in ensuring the machine performs its intended function effectively and efficiently. 
Uh, so the development of heavy machinery, of course, throughout history progressed. Once we got to powerful engines, steam engines, diesel engines, electronic robotic systems, we, that was when heavy machine, the, the, as in the elevator, once you developed powered machinery that could implement these giant machines, then you started seeing them everywhere. Until then, it wasn't that efficient or effective. Uh, you could have an elevator with like someone running it by hand, but once you got powered engines and electricity, then, you know, the sky's the limit. Literally, the sky was the limit as skyscrapers got built. Um, also, that had to do with, like, structural engineering and also, like, forced air because it got too hot up top. In any case. So, it was the 19th and early 20th centuries that really saw the boom in uh, in these, these machines. Partly because that was the development of mining. And then, in the 50s, really, strip mining came along. And, oh boy, if you wanted to tear up the surface of the earth, you really needed some big machines to do that. I mean, you could do it by hand or with little machines. But we want full-scale assault on our planet. So, uh, we built some big machines. Uh, and that was uh, in the early 20th centuries when we got, like, the steamroller, the steam tractor... Uh, we saw when, then when internal combustion engines came along and then diesel and like diesel engines really just like took us over the moon. Like we were in, we were big machine crazy by the mid 20th century. Uh, uh, modern heavy equipment encompasses a vast array of machines. Again, I'm getting this all from Wikipedia. Uh, even though you probably could have guessed this, including tractors, bulldozers, excavators, backhoes, graders, loaders, and many more. Also, hydromechanical tools and implements like augers, bulldozer blades, huh? to enhance the versatility and capability of those machines. And then because of that, the field of occupational safety had to become a thing. So then we got like OSHA to oversee the use of these machines. So theoretically, they oversee the use of these machines. Uh, education for skilled professionals. Education for skilled manufacturers. Uh, contracting organizations. Organizations used to contract out construction people. Uh, started shifting gears into just building these machines. So the building of these machines uh, became an industry in and of itself. Um it's also saw the boon of, of, of companies that have become household names like Caterpillar, Volvo, and other companies that sort of like developed and then pushed their heavy machines out to the front. I didn't know Volvo, but yeah, Volvo. Uh, heavy equipment is continuing to evolve even to this day. As of today, the Guinness Book of World Records uh, considers a piece of heavy machinery the largest uh, like constructed like, truck, basically, and on, on the on the on the on the face of the earth, a piece of heavy machinery. Obviously, it's not going to be like a show piece, like, like a like a museum piece. It's going to be something that's being used and constructed. There's actually two of them out there, which is terrifying. But we'll be talking about that later. So that's 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 heavy machinery. That's big machines. We'll, we'll I was going to say we'll get into the nitty gritty as we go along. This is a baby's book. This is a book for small babies. What is it again? Big machines. It's an I can read book, a beginning level one reader. Not necessary to get too into it, but let's get let's get a little too into it. Where's my book? Where's my book? Where's my book? I can't find my book. Uh, everybody, everybody, where is my book? It disappeared. My book disappeared. This is great radio, by the way. Uh. Uh, I can't find my book, everyone. Okay, I found it. 
that was really weird. My my book just disappeared and then it reappeared. So if it disappears again, I I don't know what to tell you. If it disappears again, I don't I don't know. I don't know how to I don't know, I don't know what to tell you at all. Uh then, then just deal with it, I guess, because I can look at it on my desktop. So Haha. So the Berenstain Bears, Big Machines by Mike Berenstain. Do you know this was based on characters created by Stan? Never mind. Uh, so our Cubs are playing in a sandbox outside. They've got tons of toy cars. I am so jealous of them. Uh, we have a honey bear, brother bear, and sister bear. They're playing uh, in the sandbox with toy machines. Uh, Papa bear, meanwhile, is mowing the mowing the lawn. Mama bear is working in her garden. We see their cat licking its paw. And there's a little there's a little uh, drama going on down at the bottom of the screen here. We have their cat, whose name I can't remember. Gracie, Grace, maybe it's Gracie. I don't remember. Uh, it's cleaning its paw on the on the right hand side of the image. We have a, of a robin, a bird, down on the ground looking at the cat. Uh, if you look closely, though, you can see the cat cat is actually eyeing the bird. There's a, there's a, a, a psychodrama being placed here, a bit of intimidation on the part of the cat, uh, pretending to be disinterested as the bird looks over. Animals tend to be friendly with each other in bear country, but I have to assume that a cat will still murder another animal, uh, given the opportunity, because again, these are not sentient creatures anymore. All animals at this point, besides the bears, have lost total sentience. That's why it's called bear country, everybody. So the Cubs are playing with what looks like a bulldozer, what looks like some sort of excavator, some kind of dirt mover. They're making noises, too. Brum, brum, row, row. Uh, the Cubs seem to have all regressed back to their earliest states, which is fine. Kids, you enjoy playing in a sandbox. Enjoy playing with your, with your trucks. Everyone knows that these kind of machines were a delight to play with. If you had, your, if you had a Tonka truck, if you had a Tonka uh, dump truck. Uh, there was no limit to the joy you could get putting things in the dump truck. Dumping the truck, that's it. That's all you needed. So the Cubs are out there. They're playing with their toys. They're loving it. Farmer Ben, no. Gramps, it's not Farmer Ben. There's two perpetually angry bears in bear country. Uh, Farmer Ben and Grizzly Gramps. This is one of them. Grizzly Gramps comes up. They have a history of, of, of losing their temper. Uh, if you're Farmer Ben, you're going to chase somebody with a pitchfork. If you're Grizzly Gramps, you're going to write a very embarrassing, uh, very conservative screed to your local newspaper. That's Gramps' job. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in. So Gramps comes by in his, in, in his ye old truck. And he's like, hey, you want to see some real machines? Which is a really weird thing. No hello. No hello. Hi, family. No, no. How's it going? Just deet, deet. Would you like to see some real machines? Sure, we do, Grizzly Gramps. Grizzly Gramps, the Cubs hop into the into the truck, which is a small cab, but there seem to be four, at least three, at least two seatbelts. We see that Sister Bear and Honey Bear have seatbelt, like, shoulder straps. I don't see any shoulder strap on Gramps. I don't see any shoulder strap on brother. I think they sort of like move them over so the cubs in the middle could have them. But these other two, they're living life dangerously. Because let me peek ahead. Yeah, I don't see any shoulder straps. I don't see any shoulder straps for anyone else. Uh, this far, the, these these shoulder strap seat belts were retrofitted into this thing because probably because Mama and Papa Bear made a fuss. In any case, Grams takes them to visit his friend, Big Jake, which. Big Jake, Big Jake has big machines. And I'm going to come right out and say, if you are nicknamed Big Jake uh, and you are in the construction business, I'm just going to assume that you are not really in the construction business. 
so much as in the payments being made under the table portion of the construction business. Go talk to Big Jake. He's got the big machines. And I'm going to assume also that the big machines we're referring to when we're talking about Big Jake are not the machines that the book is about. We're talking more the machinery of capitalism, the machinery of the black market, the machinery of untaxed income, the machinery of underpaid cheap labor. We're talking Big Jake. Does Big Jake come from Big Bear City? I'm going to guess that he is. Has Big Jake had dealings with Raffish Ralph Ripoff? Perhaps he has. How long has Grizzly Gramps known Big Jake? Probably since the 30s. That's all I'm going to say about Big Jake. No, I'm not, because Big Jake's the big main character of this story. So they pull up on a construction site. Jake's a builder, which is a term we don't really use in America that much. I think Bob the Builder made it more... In fact, Big Jake is dressed like Bob the Builder. Sort of a cross between... Like Bob the Builder and old school Mario. Uh, Big Jake is a builder. We don't really... See, Bob the Builder, I think, made the term builder more acceptable in America. But we tend to say like construction worker. Uh, or, or carpenter or architect. Whatever. Foreman. Whatever, uh, whatever your specific job was. We didn't really say builder. I didn't hear builder used as a term until Bob the Builder was sent over to the States. Uh, but Big Jake's a builder. His workers are getting ready to build. Uh, and they have a backhoe, they have, they move dirt around with a loader and a bulldozer, and Big Jake is an equal, equal opportunity employer, we see a, what, presumably a woman working the backhoe, we see a couple other indis, indistinctive, uh, indistinct bears working the front end loader and the bulldozer. Now, I want to talk for a second about these illustrations, because Mike, again, has outdone himself with the, with the attention to detail, uh, that he is showing to these to these machines, uh, down to the rivets and the interlocking parts. It's apparent that our man, our author, and our illustrator loves his machines, loves drawing machines, far more than I ever enjoyed looking at them or being near them as a child. Mike Berenstain, if he was a Ninja Turtle, he'd be Donatello, because he does the machines. He certainly wouldn't be Leonardo, because he's too interesting. He certainly wouldn't be Raphael, because I've met Mike Berenstain, and he is cool, but he's not rude. And I don't know, I didn't know Mike as a young man, but I assume he wasn't a party dude. Uh, so Mike does machines, and so do these bears. And let's talk a little bit about the funniest named machine in the history of machinery, the backhoe. Which, if you're not privy to my mind, you don't know why backhoe is funny. It's a funny term. But what makes backhoe even funnier is the other names for backhoe. So you're like, haha, backhoe. Uh, the other names for backhoe are rear actor or back actor, which is funny, funnier than I could ever let on. Uh, the parts of the backhoe are the boom, which it sure does. And the dipper or dipper stick, you know what? We're going to walk away from the backhoe right now. Uh, but I do want to say that the backhoe swing frame was invented in 1947 by Wayno J. Holopainen and Roy E. Handy. Wayno and Handy, uh, U.S. patent number 2,698,697 allowed the hydraulic digging arm to swing to the side to dump the bucket. So that's what the backhoe does. It, it, it scoops up dirt, then it moves it over, dumps it over there. So before then, we just had like a thing that would do this, like dig forward. The backhoe, I think, allowed you to go yurt, manar, but dump. If you can't see what I'm doing, I'm so sorry. Maybe you should be watching this. 
Yurt, badump. That's what a backhoe does. Now, the backhoe fade or the JB, JCB fade is a term coined by the telecommunications field to refer to accidental damage or complete severing of a communications cable by a backhoe or a similar construction activity. So, hey, y'all in the construction area, watch out for them. Watch out for them communications cables. Or you're going to be doing the backhoe fade. When I saw backhoe fade listed underneath the backhoe, I thought it was going to be some kind of dance. I honestly thought it was going to be a dance. I was all prepared to be like, yeah, do the backhoe fade. But it's not. It's just, it's an accident. It's an accident and we shouldn't be making fun of it. Uh, moving on, Big Jake, Big Jake, shows Gramps and the Cubs around, uh, really big holes, he says. To dig really big holes, you need really big diggers, like a power shovel or a cable power shovel. Uh, really big, really big diggers. Um, I mean, power shovel, do you want to know anything about a power shovel? Uh, they really came about in the 1950s when demand for coal peaked. And uh, this is one of our fun, our fun strip mining lessons. So uh, they had, so in the 1950s, they were like, we need big things to scrape the earth away. Uh, and so they started working on these giant stripping shovels. Um, most were built between the 50s and 70s. Unofficially known to its crew in Eastern Ohio residents alike was the Mountaineer, erected in 1955-56. You know how big these machines are when they're not built, they're not constructed, they are erected. They are, here was the skyline before this vehicle existed, here is the skyline now. We have erected a machine, we have erected a truck, and what makes them fascinating is that they move. They're like mechs, they are like giant robots on the horizon. They do things, they have arms and hands and claws and scoops, they grip. The Mountaineer, constructed in Ohio, 1955-56, culminating in the mid-60s with a gigantic 12,700 ton Marion 6360, nicknamed the captain now one stripping shovel the by the by the bukairis eerie 1850b was known as big brutus and big brutus was so big built in kansas so big used in coal strip mining operations so big designed to dig from 20 to 69 nice feet down big brutus was such a big deal the big brutus is a official national landmark that's right not look at this thing it's a landmark it's so big is big brutus if you look at a person standing next to big brutus the person does not even come to the top of big brutus's treads can i i'm not going to show you a picture of big brutus because it would i would have to stop and do it let's look up big brutus Big Brutus is big. Big Brutus, I will go on record, official Berenstain Bear cast stance and say Big Brutus is too big. Big Brutus is too big. Big Brutus is itself a museum. That is how big Big Brutus is. Big Brutus is so big that the man standing, looking at Big Brutus in the official picture on Wikipedia and his wife... His wife, I assume. They don't even come up to the top of the treads. The man looking at looking at Big Brutus, so he's either wearing jean shorts with a tucked-in polo, nice, or golf shirt, nice, 
jean shorts, a good pair, a solid pair of shorts. I can't tell from the picture because he's too tiny in order to get all the big Brutus in this picture. The man is so small at the bottom. Like, he's like teeny tiny at the bottom. And then the whole rest of the picture is big Brutus. He's either wearing a cast on one leg and some soccer socks or one knee-high white sock and a cast on the other leg. I can't tell. His legs are definitely two different colors. His legs are... A brace, maybe? Look up, Big Brutus. You know what? Forget it. I'm going to find... I'm going to show you the picture of Big Brutus. I, I need you to look at the... If, you, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're following along at home, very sorry. Uh, but I need to, oops, I didn't mean to do that. I need to add a picture of, a picture of Big Brutus. So let me, uh, capture, do a win. I'll do a quick window capture of Big Brutus. There we go. There we go. Going to do a big window capture of Big Brutus. Uh, if you're not watching this, if you're just, if you're just listening to this, uh, my apologies, but definitely tune in today so you can see just how big and, and now i'm gonna are you ready uh youtubers youtube viewers at home here's big brutus look at the tiny man at the bottom uh look at the tiny man at the bottom is that a sock or a cast is it a sock or a cast also look how big big brutus is this thing is gigantic and that's not even the whole picture because i had to zoom in the picture continues up like this is a big a big thing in fact i'm gonna zoom in on i'm gonna zoom in on the guy uh, the man and his wife is, okay, so it looks like he's got a white sock that goes up to his knee, and then the other, like, is that like a, is that a brace, a cast, a fashion statement? I don't know. Uh, please don't touch Big Brutus, ma'am. Please don't touch Big Brutus. If you're just listening to this, you're missing out, because you, this guy's got, he's got a fanny pack. He's got a tucked in, a tucked in shirt, tucked in collared shirt, a nice pair of acid wash jorts, a long sock. He's got his either his sock pulled up. Ladies and gentlemen, I just I need this mystery solved. What is he wearing? What is he wearing? What is he wearing? Write in. Let me know. Just I I need to know. I need to know. Uh, can we get back to our book? Can we please get back to the book? Um, where's my book? Did I lose the book again? Please tell me I didn't lose the book again. Uh, I lost the book. Did I lose the book? No, I didn't. Ha <laughs> ha, I didn't lose the book again. Here we go. Uh, where were we? Remind me later. So we're moving on. In order to build something new, we got to build a crane. That's what that's what Big Jake is saying. Tall cranes lift things into place. And so we're looking at these and a wrecking ball to knock things down. So we, we mentioned up top, we mentioned earlier that cranes, we have proof that cranes were invented at least in ancient Rome, 1 BC. Not this big. I've always, as a kid even, I was like confused when you would, you see, you see the cranes that are bigger, like taller than the buildings they're building. It's like, there's the crane we use to lift things to the top of the skyscraper we're building. And even as a kid, I was like, how did they get that? I never get to see the crane being built. And I know that to build a crane, you need other cranes. To build a tall crane, you gotta have a crane. It's like when you see videos of, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, like uh, the, the, the giant windmill 
blades being carried because those have to be constructed in one piece and then carried to where they go up like the electricity windmills you see those being hauled and they're giant you cannot fathom how big the pieces are being hauled across country and that's what i'm thinking about with these giant cranes and these giant cranes are everywhere where are these cranes coming from where do they go when they're not being used where do the cranes but we're not talking about cranes right now because we already mentioned that let's talk about wrecking balls now i thought to myself there's no way wrecking balls have a history but did you know that wrecking balls have a history did you know that there is a history of wrecking balls wrecking balls are big uh they're big they're like a thousand pounds uh to around twelve thousand pounds uh the earliest documented use of a wrecking ball now i thought this was going to be like ancient greece ancient rome no, the earliest documented use of a wrecking ball was in 1888 for breaking up the SS Great Eastern, which was an iron sail-powered paddle wheel and screw-propelled steamship uh, on the River Mersey. Ferry across the Mersey. I think it goes something like that. Uh, the SS Great Eastern, yeah. So like that, And I guess that makes sense because why would you want to break anything? Like ever, ever, back then, back, back in the day. You built something, you wanted it to stay up. You weren't going around willy-nilly smashing things to pieces. Also, funny that they did that to for a boat. It's a boat. Just sink it. Just sink the boat. You don't want the boat around anymore. Sink the boat. You're not disassembling it carefully. You built a wrecking ball to destroy the SS Great Eastern. Uh, they're surviving parts of which... Um, I think they're surviving parts. If they're surviving, why would, in any case, the SS Great Eastern was smashed to pieces. Uh, that's the first documented use of a wrecking ball. The, the bears, however, uh, they got wrecking balls everywhere. And they don't care about the history because they're smart, not like me. Uh, wrecking ball whacks things flat. Does it? Does a wrecking ball whack things flat? I thought that a wrecking ball would be used to, like, just knock things over. Does a wrecking ball, if, if you just drop a wrecking ball, does it count as a wrecking ball? I thought it had to swing to be a wrecking In any case, who cares? Who cares? Moving over, sometimes build, you got to dig wells. So you got a well digging, a well drilling rig, and you got a pile driver. I was thoroughly ready for pile drivers to be a more modern thing, but then I found out that pile drivers, there's, there's proof of pile drivers going back to ancient Rome again. In fact, a pile driver apparently was used to build Caesar's Rhine bridges. Bet you didn't know that. 1475, Francesco di Giorgio Martini wrote a treatise, Tratado di Architectura, uh, and he has a mechanically sound drawing of a pile driver in that. In the 18th century, um, in, the, in the book Ab, Ab, Abhandlung vom Wasserbau an Stroman, uh, 1769, there's a, there's a pile driver drawing. There's a pile driver that'll work just fine for you. Um, steam power pile driver was invented, uh, uh, by James Nasmith, son of Alexander Nasmith, uh, in, in, in 1845. And then, uh, and then watchmaker James Valui and Leonardo da Vinci have been credited with inventing steam powered pile drivers. Come to find out, the, the pursuit of the pile driver may have been something people were after more than uh, than the than the philosopher's stone. 
Because it seems like they've been trying to build a good pile driver for years. Not perform a pile driver, though. Uh, if you want to, if you want to perform a pile driver, how long? Okay, how long has the pile driver been a thing? Like the the wrestling move pile driver, and that's where you grab someone, you turn them upside down, and you drop them, right? Like you, or you drop yourself and you drop them. How long? How long? Who is the first wrestler to use the pile driver? Um, the act, I don't, I mean, it's mostly just lists of people who've been like horrifically injured by pile drivers. So I don't actually, there's all kinds of wrestling pile drivers. There's more about the wrestling pile driver than there is about the equipment pile driver. Listeners, who invented the pile driver? What, who was the first documented wrestler to perform the pile driver? Uh, one of the most dangerous moves in professional wrestling. Uh, oh, right, here we go. Well, it's not invented. Wild Bill Longson is credited... Well, he says here he's credited with inventing and popularizing the pile driver. Inventing or popularizing? Uh, let me know. Um, uh, he wrestled... He retired in 1960. So he was wrestling and pile driving uh, well before I was born. So... Wild Bill Longson, you died in 82. If anyone's a big Wild Bill Longson fan, what were his pile drivers like? Nothing like the Bears pile drivers, I'll tell you what. So moving on, Big Jake's like, come on, we got to see some more machines. Hop in because look at these road machines, pavers, rollers, and road graders. Here's some, they, they drive past Farmer Ben's farm. We got a tractor with a plow. We got a tractor with a planter. We got a tractor with a rake. We got a tractor with a baler. Some pretty big machines for what seems to be like one, like one, like family size house lot farm that apparently Barbara Ben's working on. It's a very small plot of land that all these machines are kind of crammed in on. I assume that the farm goes much further than this, but uh, also we got some pretty long neck cows in the background. Uh, what I want to talk about though is the combine harvester. So to gather wheat, farmers use very big machines. Combine harvester cuts the wheat and shoots it into a big wagon. And this is true. This is true, more or less. But the combine harvester, in 1826, I'm getting all this from Wikipedia, by the way. Patrick Bell was an inventor. He was a reverend of the Church of Scotland. He invented the Reaper machine, which, which is a machine that you've probably seen in older movies. Uh, it's pulled along behind a tractor, and it uses basically a like a like a rotating blade or a scissors type blade to reap plants, to reap plant, to cut the plants. Uh, originally, it was pushed by horses, then it was pulled, and that was the first like reaping, like real me- mechanized reaping machine. But in 1835, Hiram Moore, who you probably know, Hiram Moore built and patented the first combine harvester and what a combine that's literally what it sounds like it's a combination machine it reaps it threshes and it winnows and this one did cereal grain pulled by a horse a mule or ox teams um and then just it, it went on from there so these reaping machines then were like of course combined with you know motors and engines and now they follow on they shoot the the, the they, they 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 reap they thresh they gather and they winnow and winnowing is how you separate uh, uh, chaff from the grain, which had formerly been done by hand. Now it was done by machine. Uh, you can do it with wheat, rice, oats, rye, 
barley, sorghum, millet, soybeans, flax, sunflowers, straw. Oh, no, wait. Straw is what's left over. Left lying in the field. And you can use straw. You can bale that straw. Use all parts. That's what a combine harvester does. A combine harvester. Look at it. I remember reading, uh, I can't remember what it was, something about a, a person who was lost in a field and run over by a combine harvester. And and the the in the story, they were like, and, you know, if you're out there in the field, you got run over by a combine harvester. Not a whole lot we can do. People are like, why don't you go in and why don't you go in and look for the remains just to find out? And they were like, you don't understand. There's no remains of a person run over by a combine harvester. There's just, there's nothing left. They are combined. They are combined into the everything. Combine harvesters scoop up animals all the time. You'll never know because they are combined. They are threshed and winnowed and, and reaped and gathered into millet and straw like that's it these are powerful machines you don't want to mess with them you don't want to go up against a combine harvester you'll lose every time most farm machinery by the way that's the case don't don't go up against a farm machine it'll it's the winner it comes out on always comes out on top ask a farmer ask a farmer uh and then we got some machines, augers and tree planters. We've got uh, machines that are involved in the deforestation of Birder's Wood, I guess. The Feller Buncher and the Logging Skitter. And I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, a Feller Buncher. Feller Buncher? Sounds like a group of... A, 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 per, a, a Feller Buncher sounds like a person... Who is the one who gets friends together? Huh? Yeah? Like, yes? You got you having trouble gathering a, a, a group of, of, of buddies for a, for an event? Get who's who in this group is the feller buncher? We gotta bunch us up some fellers. That's it. That's my joke. That was my joke. It was very long and it was not funny, but it was funny in my head. The other jokes I had for the feller buncher were inappropriate. So that's the one you got. It's a family podcast, more or less. Family podcast. The Feller Buncher. Um, they generally weigh about fourteen thousand pounds. I don't know what else to tell you about it. Uh, there's, they're, uh, they're, 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 their cost effectiveness is in question. If you're interested, uh, their fuel consumption and lubricant consumption is high compared to other harvesting equipment. Uh, the Feller Buncher has the highest hourly cost. It costs about 100 bucks an hour to run uh, compared to things such as harvesters and grapple skitters. You're probably wondering that. You were probably listening to this going, how does it compare cost-effective-wise to the grapple skitter? And I'm going to tell you right now, it's more expensive to run per hour than a grapple skitter. Uh, than a grapple skitter. The average unit cost of the Feller Buncher is $12.1 per M3. I don't even know what that stands for. Also, they're very expensive to maintain, the Feller Buncher. Um, heck, 
the lubrication alone. The fuel, the engine coolant. And the risk when operating them is high. It's one of the most dangerous occupations is logging. And uh, and the equipment involved is also dangerous. I don't know where I'm going with this. The, you made me you made me embarrassed for my feller buncher joke. So I, I'm just gonna keep going. I don't even know what a logging skidder is. Apparently, it skids logs. So then we got to we moving on to more mining stuff, more destruction of the landscape. We got the dragline power shovel and a mining truck, which is just a dump truck that you dump big rocks in. Uh, here, workers dig into the earth for metal and coal. Metal makes things strong. Coal makes things go. That's why I like to define coal. Ah, it's just something that makes things go. Any deaths involved? Oh, yes. Some coal is deep under the earth. Big machines tunnel into solid rock to get it. We got a coal mining road header. No funny joke. There's no funny jokes about road headers. There's no funny jokes... There's nothing funny I can say about that that term, that word, uh, except that what an actual road, this is a road header with like certain kind of blades. The road headers I saw, I'm not even going to show you a picture of them because they were funny in and of themselves. So let's look up road header and just come up with your own jokes because I'm trying to get to the end of this book. And this is where I was getting to. The biggest machine of them all. The Bucket Wheel Excavator. Now, if you've never seen a Bucket Wheel Excavator, I, I genuinely don't know what to tell you. I genuinely do not know what to tell you because the picture in the Berenstain Bears book is amazing. Mike does a great job drawing the Bucket Wheel Excavator and giving something of a sense of scale a little bit. But I'm going to I'm going to tell you right now that when I first saw a bucket wheel excavator, like a photo of a bucket wheel excavator, I was genuinely I genuinely this is not me exaggerating. I genuinely got vertigo from it. I I refused to believe that what I was looking at was an actual thing that existed on my planet. Kind of like when you're a little kid and you first really hear about dinosaurs and you're like well there's no way that could be a real thing that existed right right so i'm going to show you if you're listening if you're watching this on youtube i'm going to show you the bucket wheel excavator in case you're not familiar the bucket wheel excavator is stupidly big like big to a degree that that i don't even know i don't even know I don't even know how to feel about it. Big to a degree that it doesn't make logical sense that such a thing exists on our planet. Big to a degree that I get upset and sad looking at it. The the, the image I posted is a picture of, I believe this is the Bagger 288. The biggest, it's just the biggest thing any, like it's the biggest thing in the world. It's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, it's like the biggest thing in the world. Um, that we've that we built. There's the Bagger 293 as well, which which shares the record for the for the largest terrestrial vehicle, uh, in in the world. It stands at a at, at 314 feet. 
with the width of 151 feet, uh, coming in at 31, 31,300,000 pounds. Uh, this thing is redonkulous. The, the, the picture I have up on, it's just, it's, it's too big. If you look down, if you look down, down and down, there's a little, you can see kind of, there's a little, there's a truck, like a little bulldozer or something down at the bottom with a human being inside it. And what looks to be a little like port sand or a, or just a little office or equipment shed or something. And the, and the machine itself is so big that the treads are bigger than the truck, like the, the bulldozer, the giant piece of machinery that, that is at, at its base. It's so big, and it's got this powerful scoop at the front. It looks like a nightmare. Like, it looks like, and in the back, it looks like a nightmare out of, like, if you were in a movie and, like, hell took over and started building machines, that's what this thing would look like. And it upsets me, and I don't, I don't like thinking about it too much. In any case, it exists in bear country. <laughs> it exists in bear country, and as the cubs say, wow, it's ginormous. Yeah, it is. Probably too big. Probably too big. The biggest machine of them all, says Big Jake. And he's the biggest the biggest bear of all. Not because of his size, but because of his... Because of his audacity. Uh, so then they move on. Jake drives them back to Gramps' truck. Oh, so long, Jake. Thanks for the tour. Thanks for, thanks for forcing us to witness something that really, really drives home how small we truly are. Uh, thank you for the tour. Anytime, he says. For big machines, just come to me. I'm Big Jake. I'm Big Jake. And they leave finally understanding as cubs, as as bears, as as entities on the planet, just, just how tiny in the grand scheme of things they are. How utterly insignificant they are. In the grand scheme of things. How significant are they? The most, I would say. Probably the most insignificant. And that's the Berenstain Bears Big Machines. Really makes you think. Don't it? Really makes you wonder. uh, How big can these machines get? We'll never know. Because I'm never going to look at them again. Do I like this book? It's a great book. If you like big, if your kids want a book about big machines, it's right there in the title. The well-illustrated title, by the way. Mike did not stint on the title design. He wrote the word big, like it's a big bubbly, bubbly word. And machines, he made it look like it was built by machine. That's all I got to say about it. Yeah, it's available as a beginning reader book. You can get it on, you can get it as an ebook. You can get it as, as a book book. Uh... It's exciting. Mike likes drawing machines. Berenstain Bears. Big machines. Check it out. Won't you? Uh, That's it. That's all I got to say. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for putting up with my haphazard research into the history of big machines. If you're interested in hearing me talk about anything else, you can listen to me talk about the Twilight series over on Pizza Toast with my friend Christy Admiral. Or you can listen to me talk about... Not Frankenstein, but uh, monsters and spooky ghosts and goblins over on uh, It's Del Toro Time. I believe this week we're doing a Shirley Jackson story, so that's fun. 
Uh, all of my shows I put up on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can probably just click on my name and find out where else you can you know, look at those. They have There's playlists devoted to them. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on your favorite podcasting apps. If you like my shows, leave a, leave a, a comment, leave a review. If you don't like my shows, get out of here. Go away. Get lost. See ya. Sayonara. Don't need a bad comment. I am simply a one-man, 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 man. And I don't need the stress right now. So take your comment and to the moon with it. That's all I got to say. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll see you all next time deep in Bear Country.